reading is from Nehemiah and is to be found on page 493, Nehemiah chapter 9. We're not going to read it all, 1 to 15 and then 32 to the end. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God, for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshipping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs were the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunny, Sherebiah, Bani and Kanani who called with loud voices to the Lord their God and the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our forefathers in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials, and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. You divided the seas before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. Verse 32. Now, therefore, O our God, the great, mighty, and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love, 
Do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come upon us, upon our kings and leaders, upon our priests and prophets, upon our fathers and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. In all that has happened to us, you have been just. You have acted faithfully while we did wrong. Our kings, our leaders, our priests and our fathers did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the warnings you gave them. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our forefathers so that they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Claire. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for your word, and we ask now that you would fill us with your spirit. Help us to hear your word and listen to the things that you want us to hear this day. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. I wonder, and maybe this is a question for you over tea and coffee a little bit later on, if you can recall what your first memory is. And I know for me, look, you're on the think already, aren't you? I've lost you. <laughs> first memory. My first memory, my earliest memory, comes from my third birthday party. And all I can remember is a relative who I can't name saying to me, is this the birthday boy? And then my mother saying something else. And that's it. That's what I remember. I can remember something from my third birthday party. But here's the funny thing. Though I can remember that, I can't remember my fourth birthday party, or my fifth birthday party, or my sixth birthday party. I think I can remember my seventh birthday, but everything's a little bit hazy. Our minds are bonkers, and I am not a scientist of the mind. I am married to one who's a psychologist, and she will confirm that the mind and the brain is indeed completely and utterly bonkers in how it works how we can remember some things, but we can't remember other things. I'm somebody who has quite a good short-term memory. I've got a good memory for exams. I can remember lots of facts and figures and then forget them half an hour later. I can hold a lot of information in one go, get it out, and then let it all go. So I've got that going for me. But I can almost guarantee when Liz said to me, can you bring some bread home today, I'm going to forget it. That's the way my brain works. I can remember all this stuff, then I can forget the very simple things. Our minds are amazing. They are strange. And this concept of remembrance is something that is core to who we are as human beings. It's why, when I ask that question, what's your earliest memory Half of you are already gone thinking about what it is. Our minds, our memories are that vital to us. 
And remembrance is an incredibly important theme in the scriptures as well. All the way through, the people of God are called to a place of remembrance. Remember the good things God has done. Remember the covenants. The words remember me being central to the communion prayer that we hear in church and the words that Jesus said on the night before he was betrayed. We are called to be people who remember. And remembrance is very much at the heart of our reading today from Nehemiah chapter 9. It is a story of remembrance and remembrance for the people of Israel. Now, if you haven't been with us for these last few weeks, over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah, what would have been the last book in the old Hebrew Bible. And the book of Nehemiah is about the people of Israel returning to the land of Israel, rebuilding their walls in the first half, and then in the second half, where we are now, rebuilding themselves spiritually. Last week, they heard the word of the Lord read aloud and went off and had a party, had a great joyful celebration because of the good things that God had done in bringing them back to the land. And now, the work of being in the land began. This was now about the next stage of their life. God had called them back to the place where they were meant to be and they had to live out what it was that they were called to be. And as part of that, they were called to remember three things. And the first thing was that they were God's chosen people. Now in the Old Testament... The people of Israel are called from Abraham onwards to be the people of God, to be the apple of God's eye, to be the people who would demonstrate to the world the love of God and his commandments for the world. They were set apart to live the example, but they fell short of all of that. And it's for that reason that they had to leave the land of Israel, were taken into exile to Babylon and all the rest of it. They were given a law to live up to the standards of, but they couldn't live up to those standards. And now they had to re-remember all of these things and remember that they were the people of God. And when we read over this, we can think, wow, that's a harsh thing to live up to. But then we remember something as well that affects us. And that is, we are also the people of God. We are part of the family of God. We, as the New Testament tells us, have been grafted into the promises of Israel. We are a part of those promises given to Abraham. We are called to live them out as well. And when you think about this people of Israel and what they were called to do, that could feel like quite a burden. And yes, they let God down, but so do we. And so the first thing about remembering that they were the people of God was to remember that they needed to say sorry to God. They had to say sorry to God for being screw-ups. They had to say sorry to God for messing up. They had to say sorry to God and acknowledge, quite painfully actually, that they were sinners. And for us... That is always the start and place where we are. It's the start and place in our journey of faith. 
And it's the start and place of what we do when we come together. As a church, we make no apologies for having a confession as part of every one of our services. We make no apologies when Filma today got up and explained why it is that we're doing what we're doing because we need to constantly acknowledge that we fall short of the glory of God and we need to put ourselves right before God because these are the things that we so easily forget. And let's not forget as well, we live in a very individualistic culture at the moment. The word sorry is not one that many people are comfortable in having in their vocabulary. Just have a look at how politics has gone in the last few years and how painful the word sorry is to say over some appalling things that have happened. Have a look over human history and how the word sorry is not used. Have a look at reality TV, and I don't really recommend it, but have a look at a lot of reality TV and see how so many young people who are influencers to the world will say words like, I never say sorry, I never apologize for my actions, I just go my own way. The world around us uses the word sorry as a weakness. It's not something that we are supposed to do, to say sorry so acknowledge you're in the wrong and there's something wrong with being wrong. But as the people of God, we acknowledge that we do wrong and we want to put it right. And that's why we come together to say sorry. We say sorry for the things that we have done wrong. We say sorry for the things we have thought that are wrong. We say sorry for things that we have said that are wrong. And we say sorry for the things that we should have done which we haven't done. We say sorry and we seek the Lord's forgiveness and we do that individually and we do it corporately and that is something we keep need to come back to we will always make mistakes we will always make errors we will always do wrong but we can come before the lord and seek his forgiveness and in this reading today that's exactly what the people of israel were doing as they started on this new journey as they started on doing this new direction with the Lord, as they took a fresh start, they started with a simple word. That was, sorry. And Father, please forgive us. And I say it today like it's the easiest thing to do. But I also acknowledge it's quite a hard thing to do. My youngest niece won't thank me for telling this story, but I remember when she was two, she came up to our play and gave me a slap. My sister immediately took her away and said, sit on that naughty step or something, and you've got to say sorry to your Uncle Kai. And of course she said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And there was another relative who was with us who said, yeah, the word sorry is really hard to say, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how old you get, it's really hard to say sorry. Eventually, my sister bribed him and said, Uncle Kai will keep playing with you if you say sorry. And she came out running and said, I'm sorry, Uncle Kai. And we carried on playing. But the word sorry is really hard to say. Acknowledging the mistakes we've made, even historic things, are really hard to do. When I was about 14 years old, my mother came home from work one day and found broken on the floor a vase or something that belonged to my great-grandmother, 
she was naturally upset that this family heirloom were broken. And she said to me, Kyrion, did you break it? I said, no, ma'am, I didn't break it. And she said to me again, looking me straight in the eye, Kyrion, did you break it? I said, no, ma'am, I didn't break it. It wasn't you, was I? I was in school. And she asked me a third time, Kyrion, did you break it? And I said, no, I didn't break it. It wasn't me. I did. But I said it three times. And my mother, believe me, and she looked at how on earth did this break? Well, what speak can't speak can't lie. So the vase wasn't going to grasp on me, and neither was the dog. And so we had a dog who was a puppy, and I said, well, what happened, ma'am, is he must have jumped up and knocked it. He couldn't help it, could he? I'm watching that dog being paraded out to the house with his head low, and me shaking my head in disgust at him as well, which didn't help. Kind of motivating me to say, yeah, it was me, ma'am. I broke it. I was throwing a ball around, which I shouldn't have been doing in the house, and I smashed it. But here's the amazing thing about my ma'am. She went, ugh, all right then. And we cleared it up and cracked on. My mother forgave me. And my mother forgave me because my ma'am, as many of you have met, will know, is a good person. She's a godly person, and she loves me unconditionally. And so she forgave me. She was cross to me, but she forgave me. And it's the unconditional love that the Lord offers to us. When we think we've done things that are so bad that we can't say sorry, when we think that there is no coming back from what we've done wrong, when we think that we've sunk to the lowest depths of all and there's no place for us in the world or certainly not in God's kingdom, he is still ready to forgive us. And that is really good news for the people of Israel in this story of Nehemiah. And it's really good news for us today. And for those of us today who perhaps have gone through these words of confession and thought, that's not really applicable for me because I've done something so bad, cling on to them and know that the Lord forgives. There is no record of wrong. The Lord has taken away. The slate is clean in heaven. And you are forgiven today on the confession of that sin the people of Israel said sorry and the Lord forgave them they remembered that they were the people of God and part of that was acknowledging how they fall short of God's glory but it was all right they were forgiven and a new path was set the second thing that they were called to remember was this story. And when we read through this particular passage, as Claire did so beautifully, we hear that they spent a quarter of the day in repentance, but a quarter of the day rereading the law. They spent a quarter of the day rereading the law, which then would have been the first five books of the Old Testament to us today, and reminding themselves of the scriptures. They heard the scriptures read aloud and this is something else we don't talk about so much in the church right now and that is the importance of the scriptures and reading the scriptures and taking the time to read and meditate and get to understand the scriptures now I'm going to say this I'm a vicar so I've read the bible in fact I've read it a couple of times maybe but it's amazing how easy it is that you can forget stuff. 
And it's amazing how knowledge that we cling into can be taken away. Just this week, I was rereading the Gospel of John. And I was reading, I think it was John chapter 7. And as I say, I'm a vicar. I've been in ministry for something like 12 years. I was in theological college for three years before that. I've been a Christian since I was 18. And I was rereading this and thinking, I can't remember none of this. I was rereading this most famous book of the Bible, the first gospel I think I probably read, and thinking, I can't remember this at all. That's really good, that is. Because we forget stuff so easily. And again, is it the weedy-beedy way our brain works? Is it somebody else taking those things away? But we forget so easily the goodness of God. And we forget so easily the power of the scriptures. We forget so easily the things that we need to remember. And we forget our place in the story of God as well. We forget the good things that God has done for us. We forget all that God has done for us. One of the things that will always amaze me and always befuddle me, though I also kind of get it, is how many people have walked close to the Lord, read the scriptures, been empowered by the Spirit, have incredible stories to tell, tell incredible stories, who then walk away from the Lord. How many people have got all these incredible things going on who then go, no, because that's what happens when we start forgetting. When we start forgetting the story of Scripture, when we stop forgetting our story, when we start forgetting all the things that God has done for us, then the temptation to walk away becomes so much easier. Then the temptation to say, my life is easier when I don't have to go to church. My life is easier when I don't have to pray. My life is easier when I don't have to live out this God stuff. It's all there. We need to be people who remember because we acknowledge how easy it is to forget. The people of Israel, amazing as it sounds, forgot the good things that God had done for them. They forgot how he had been with them, how he had called them, how he had led them to the land of Egypt, how he had taken them out of Egypt, how he had led them to their own land. They'd forgotten all of that good stuff that the Lord had done for them. And that's an entire nation. How easy is it for us to forget the good things that God has done for us? And it's one of the reasons why in our Sunday services, I want to see a testimony every week. I want to hear something of God at work every week. It's why Uncle Steve came up today. It's why next week we want to see somebody else come up. We want to hear the stories of what God has done. And we want to be encouraged. It's why we read the scriptures out loud. Because we want to remember the goodness of God. We want to remember the good things that God has done. Because if we stop remembering, we start forgetting. And when we start forgetting, disaster is never that far away. It is so easy to forget the goodness of God. And we need to remember to read in the scriptures and telling our stories as well and sharing those stories with each other, sharing the stories of God at work. And I'll share a story of God at work in my life this week. Monday, I tested positive for COVID for the third time. Get it. I'm in the house till at least today. I'm not that bad. I have an infusion. 
Two days later, I'm completely clear of COVID. I keep testing and I'm clear, I'm clear. God is at work. Today is my freedom day, but I was clear two days before. I stuck to the house and all the rest of it, but God was at work in me. I know that I could have gone downhill quickly. I know things had gone wrong, but God's at work in me. And I knew it was of God as well, how all these things came about. God is good. And acknowledging him, remembering him, leaning on his goodness is something that we need to do. The people of Israel had to remember and re-remember the goodness of God. And we need to remember it as well. And the final thing that we need to remember is we are people of the covenant. At the end of this reading, the Levites, the people in charge of the law, remade a covenant with the Lord. And a covenant was a kind of deal to say, Lord, we're going to follow you more closely. And it came off the back of the covenant which God made with the people many years before. And actually in this passage, the word covenant is an interesting one because the Hebrew word that is used is a different Hebrew word that is normally used for the covenant. When somebody makes a covenant, the weak party would normally go to the strong party. <clears throat> the strong party would say, here's your deal and here's the terms. But in God's covenants, it was the other way around. The strong went to the weak and said, that is the people, this is what I'm going to do for you. And that made it unbreakable. The covenant that God made was never broken. But they needed to remember the covenant. And that's what they did here. They remembered what God had done. And they made a declaration, put into a contract, if you will. Made a treaty with God and said, Lord, we're going to promise to follow you more faithfully. We are also people of the covenant. We are people of the new covenant. We are people who live under the forgiving grace of God. We are people who are set free by God. We are people who are forgiven because of what the Lord has done for us. The Lord has made a new covenant with us. And what he asks of us is to live our lives for him. That's the part of our deal. And we need to remember to put that into action. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose again for us. Jesus opened the gates for us for eternal life. That, in the nutshell, is the new covenant. And what he asks for us is to live out a new commandment. A new commandment that he gives to us. A commandment that Philma read out just a little bit earlier. That we are to love each other as God loves us. To live our lives of love. Because it's one thing acknowledging that we are forgiven. And it's one thing acknowledging that we have a story to tell. And it's one thing reading the scriptures. But it's another thing to put it into practice. And that is what we are called to do. To put all the goodness to God into practice. To remember the good things that God has done for us and put it into practice. To go and tell the world in love that there is a forgiven God. To go and tell the world in love about the good things that God has done for us. To go and act out with acts of love 
and show what God has done for us. And to see more and more people come into the covenant promise. More and more people come to be God's chosen people. More and more people come into the promises of Israel. More and more people come and the kingdom of God to grow. And that is something we desperately want to see happen. The Lord is on the move in this land. We know that. Uncle Steve was telling us about miracles a little bit earlier on. People are questioning faith. People are wondering, is there a God? People are genuinely looking spiritually, is there something out there? People are wondering. People are questioning. And now what is needed is people of the new covenant to say, I know there's a way. And to demonstrate through the love of God that the way is through Christ. That comes by us remembering who Christ is to us and to live it out in our words, in our actions, in a combination of both, to live out what it is to be the people of the covenant. This was a turning point for the people of Israel. This reading from Nehemiah. And at the time of Jesus, this particular chapter of scripture was given the name the Levite prayer and it was regarded as the most important chapter in the Hebrew Bible and it was the most important because it was the turning point it was the point that the people made a decision to say yes we want to follow the Lord more closely of course they screwed up of course some of them forgot of course they made the mistakes but the Lord still forgave them and he still lived out his promises through them. And that's the promise he makes to us as well. The Lord promises to be with us all as we do all of this. Let's be inspired by him today. Let us seek him today. Where we, like the people of Israel, need to renew ourselves today, let us do it where we, like the people of Israel, need to confess our sins today, let's do it. Where we need to remember our story today, let's do it. Where we need to re-remember the story of Scripture, let's make a dedication to do it, to read those Scriptures. And let's remember the new covenant the Lord makes with us. And let us live out that covenant. And through the living out of that covenant, may the Lord's kingdom truly grow. Amen.